everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'd like to welcome my guest to the show today, Crystal Evans, who is the founder of Money Talks EDU. Hello, Crystal. How are you? And welcome to the show. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for having me. Very excited to have you on the show. Thank you. And uh, before we go into uh, the topics that we want to discuss today, if you wouldn't mind, for our audience, can you give them a bit more information about your background and how you became the founder of Money Talks? Okay, so my name is Crystal Evans. I'm from Philadelphia, born and raised. Um, I launched Money Talks EDU back in 2015. Uh, in 2013, I attended a White House conference and I had the opportunity to meet former President Barack Obama. And I asked him what I could bring back to my community because we suffer from poverty and um, we really didn't know how to build wealth or create wealth. And he went into a spill about financial literacy, which was the first time I ever heard the two words. And I took it as a personal mission to find out exactly what financial literacy was. And that opened up a whole new world for me. And um, once I realized how important financial literacy is and can be and just personal finance education overall can be uh, for adults, and children, I pretty much launched Money Talks EDU in 2015, and it has evolved into a very popular program. And I'm happy and excited to share with you guys. Likewise, uh, very cool story. I have about a million questions, as you might imagine, uh, stemming yeah. all the way from <laughs> what was it like to interact with Obama to yeah. uh, tons of questions, obviously, about the organization. So really, wherever you want to go from there. but. Love to learn more about Money Talks EDU uh, in terms of the mission, the vision, the history. So wherever you want to start would be great. Sure. So our mission is to make financial literacy affordable and accessible in underserved communities. And our vision is pretty much to just be able to educate students from grades 9 through 12 about personal finance early in life and uh, throughout secondary education so that they don't graduate and become, uh, I guess, I guess, financial illiterate adults. Um, the vision has, has really manifested itself. Uh, it took from between 2013 and maybe 2016, a lot of research. And I personally, like everyone that I encounter from, you know, going to the supermarket, my local supermarket or on a flight or an Uber, I pretty much asked everyone who taught them about personal finance. And pretty much we found out like maybe some baby boomers received a little, uh, a little information or education on balancing checkbooks, but pretty much that's where it stopped. And it was like really spotty on whether or not um, most of the adults received personal finance education while they were attending high school, middle school or elementary school. And, um, Pretty much, I thought I missed the lesson. I thought, you know, I was I was a good student, but I also, you know, sometimes you don't pay attention or you're not interested in the lesson. So I thought maybe I missed the class, and um, it just turned out that it's not taught um, in schools. And I don't think that's something that here in the United States that's something that should be allowed. Like this is America, and we all should be entitled to have and that educate uh, uh, personal finance education so that we can be equipped for life and managing lives, managing our lives, our family's lives, 
And um, that's just something I'm really passionate about. That's such an incredible vision and mission, right? And it's something that I've thought about countless times myself as well, too. I'm from Philly also, and coming up and studying in school, none of these things really were taught, right? Which is so important, plays such a huge role in our lives and has there may not be another category that has as dramatic an impact on, in particular, your financial well-being than yep. this education, right? But I can't remember a single instance when I was in school and we talked about how to balance a checkbook or how to open a bank account or what a mortgage is or any of this kind of stuff, right? There was a lot of stuff going on, but it, it wasn't any of that. <laughs> yeah, it's like you, it's like, you know, I feel like for myself, um, you know, I'm not a parent yet, but if I were to have a child and, and and before I even get to having a child for myself, I just felt like there was so many things like growing up and um, becoming a becoming a young adult while becoming a young adult. There were so many gaps and uh, mysterious things that you kind of like had to figure out um, besides puberty. <laughs> but the money thing was like the thing. And it was like when I got my first car, I was like, OK, you have your car can you afford gas? And then it was like, from gas, can you afford um, insurance? And then me being ambitious, I got my first apartment at 18. So it's like, okay, now you have a car, you have gas, you need insurance, you have rent, you have utilities. And all those things I kind of had to figure out like through hiccups. And then I think one of the biggest things I heard trending, like when I was around 18, I'm 39 now was credit, 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 credit. And I knew nothing about credit. It was like, okay, I heard the term, but I didn't find out about credit until I wanted to leave the apartment that I was at and then go get another apartment. And then, you know, by that time I had messed up my credit by, you know, not paying a cell phone bill. So that turned out to be a huge thing. And then I, I got a lot of consulting and again, educate, self-educating myself and credit and personal finance and mortgages, car notes, all those things. Like that's, that's the American dream. Like that's what we measure. Sometimes we measure success by, and if you don't um, know how to manage these things or prepare uh, for those, for, for to have those luxuries and, um, and then prepare for emergencies and the things that come along with having those luxuries, you can put yourself in a deep hole and, and, and a lot of debt. Super well said, right? Couldn't agree more. Uh, love the mission for a ton of obvious reasons, but the opportunity to help educate the youth on some of these really important topics, like you said, should come a lot earlier, ideally for them than probably it did for us, right? Like it's yep. stuff that we really don't, you don't want to find out about that until you absolutely need it. And you don't even realize that all of a sudden it's a problem, right? And that that's going to delay whatever it is that you wanted to do with your life. So Love the mission. Where I'd kind of want to go next in conversation with you is, can you talk to us about essentially how you're driving impact today? Like, what does that look like in terms of fulfilling that mission? How does it work? How are you working on educating the youth? Uh, please share any of those details that you can as well, too, so we can learn more about it. Sure. Thanks for asking. Um, so we have a curriculum um, and prototype of a, a book called Road to Riches, and pretty much it outlines everything that we know as adults right now. So uh, we start out with socioeconomics and career paths. So children understand where they are um, 
you know, at social, social economically, like we, I think that was one of the biggest things that with my research, I think I started with like the treasury department, but then somehow I got into uh, socioeconomics. And I think I got to the social economic aspect of it was because um, a lot of African-Americans and being African-American, you know, we look at things like sometimes like Caucasians have more of an advantage. And it really wasn't that after doing research, it was just like the, you know, the education system just does not have financial literacy available for um public schools. You may get it in a private school, but, you know, I haven't been able to afford it (laughs) to find out. But pretty much um, we just wanted to use social economics as a vehicle. So children understood like what low income was, middle income and upper class, uh, what it meant and how it was defined. So they can understand like their level of income, the education and their occupation and how those things determine uh, not who they are, but where they can be in terms of their dreams and goals and aspirations. So social economics, we start there. We let them know like, hey, you know, without a GED or a high school diploma, you know, this is where your uh, career may land. And this is the level of income you'll have with this level of education. But yet if you go get a college degree, which that's a whole nother topic into, you know, understanding the cost and the expenses that come with educating yourself. But if you decided to go and get an education and uh, become a doctor or a lawyer or, um, you know, a manager or whatever it is, you know, this could put you at this income bracket and, you know, put you in and then, and then develop in a family. Like if you get a partner and that partner is working and they have an education where this could put you and lead you. So the goal was to just educate them about socioeconomics and allow them to dream. Um, and then also tie into the whole, I don't know if you remember when he asked you as a child, like, what what do you want to be when you grow up? And I remember as a little girl, I always said I wanted to be a CEO. I always wanted to be a, an executive. And, um, but no one ever like groomed me to become that. So I feel like the social economics and, and career development linking it to allows us to say, hey, what do you want to be? And allows the, tr- the children, the students to not only dream, but also plan and, and implement a plan and, and put that plan in place and actually see what it requires and what it takes so that they can achieve those plans. So we start with social economics and then we go into once you understand what your career is going to be and what le- level of income you're going to be at, then we can go and say, okay, this is where you'll be. This will be your tax bracket. But let's talk about banking or exactly what financial literacy is so that you can even understand, like, once you come into this money and you, you know, can generate, you know, six figures or whatever it is that you that you plan on bringing in for yourself. How do you manage that? Um, what banking relationship do you want to have? Uh, and, and once you get that career, you know, at 18, 19 or 25, you know, these things are going to happen in steps. So you're going to have a two year plan, a three year plan, a four year plan. And then while you're working, no matter where you work, always ask what benefits they offer and make sure you, you know, have a 401k plan and if they have a match program. Don't leave the money on the table. Um, I think there's so many adults out here that are working and they, and they haven't had the conversation or been introduced to uh, programs, you know, like 401k plans and things like that. And they're leaving money on the table. So I just want to give kids the advantage. I feel like um, me uh, growing up 
we always spoke about the next generation and next generation and next generation. And I feel like there's the bowl's kind of been dropped. So um, again, that's why I think financial literacy is definitely one of the uh, a crucial key to empowering the youth and making sure that they have the tools and keys that they need so that they can fulfill their dreams, be successful, become secure, financially secure. And especially in underserved communities, they don't have to resort to uh, crime and, and other things that could get them in a lot of trouble. Well said, empowering for sure, and capable of solving many problems that, that you alluded to towards the tail end there as well also. So mm-hmm. obviously a critically important mission. Can you talk to us about anything uh, related to performance and driving driving results in terms of how do you measure that uh, with the program or with participation? So we have not only the book, but the book is accompanied with an app and we're in the process of patenting the app and um, which is pretty exciting. Um, The app is meant to be able to uh, teach the children while in class or do a hybrid style of learning. And then there's a gamification feature to it. So the children are, are able to compete. They're able to learn. They're able to discuss new terms, new concepts, or, you know, even just tap into coaches like myself. And we've, so far, we've worked with um, the Juvenile Justice Detention Center. We've worked in New York City. We've had our program paid paid for by the New York Department of Education. Uh, And then we're also working in New Jersey at Camden Mastery Charter School. And we're now a vendor for the Philadelphia School District. And we have huge hopes for um, bringing the app and piloting our vision and our mission um, with the app in the book um, and in the Philadelphia School District. So hopefully that's something that we'll be able to pilot in 2023 and be able to really test out like, you know, the, the outcomes that we're looking for, which is for math literacy and personal finance to be linked to one another. Again, with, uh, you know, education reform, I'm big on education reform. Like if math literacy levels are very low, then it's, you know, then kids can't count their money. So we need to like connect the two. So that's another thing that we're trying to do is just make sure when we incorporate personal finance, we're tying in math literacy. So basic math skills, they'll, they'll, you know, maybe it'll excite the children or give them a new perspective on how, what they're learning in school uh, ties into like their adult lives. And that's something that we like just listening to the students. I know as a, as a, as a teen, you know, sometimes as teens, children don't feel like they're heard. Um, and I just feel like we, we go in and we try to hear the voices and, you know, a lot of the children, a lot of the students feel like, you know, the education that they're getting is useless and they don't know how to apply it or why they even need to be there. It's just kind of like sometimes a social um, hangout being in class or being in school. So we just go in here and try to let them know like algebra can be tied into your cells if you want to be an entrepreneur um, or, you know, or if, if, if you're going to make X, Y, Z, you know, after you pay your taxes, whatever, in whatever state you're at, um, whatever those the, the taxes, the tax um, percentage is, let's take that away. So, you know, if you gross X, Y, Z, you net this and you don't just assume or do head math um, so that they can have a little more accuracy and just uh, better planning skills with their money. So um, 
pretty much, yeah, it's it's a lot. The app um, gives us real-time data. So we want to make sure that, you know, they're not just getting personal finance education, but their math skills are improving. And then, you know, when we do post assessments, we look at, we ask them certain questions, and then we do the, the final assessment. Sorry, pre pre assessments and post assessments, we be we're able to see the difference in their understanding and the concepts and the vocabulary. And um, we worked at Crystal Ray Philadelphia High School a few months ago, and we were able to like really impact some of our students and prepare them, you know, for the real world. I mean, we work with them in January. They graduated twelfth grade in June, and they were headed to college. One student, we were able to help him out. Unfortunately, he lost his father and we were able to help him out and show him how to um, invest. I am a licensed professional, so we were able to show him how to put his money up and not blow it. And, you know, he's in a position, if he stays the course, to be able to create generational wealth for himself, for his children and, and, you know, grandchildren. So that's something that we don't typically have access to. And in our communities. And I think that's probably a, a good niche that we have, which is being able to work with licensed finance professionals. Typically, the wealthy only get to sit down with financial advisors um, or um, mo- most most likely if you don't have wealth, you know, you won't be able to sit down with a financial advisor because it's not really beneficial to them. But my team, we care and we we really don't you know, we want to help the low income. We want to help the underdog rise above poverty. So that's what the curriculum is for. And that's what the the app accompanies it to make it fun for the students and also be able to show the results that we're looking for, which is pretty much a, a better understanding of personal finance and the correlation between math literacy and, you know, day to day living. It's fantastic. Yeah, it sounds like the technology is going to give you the great ability to be able to measure kind of before and after, see what type of progress the students have made, and in addition to tracking any number of other ways that value has been added as well also. And that's kind of where I was going to go next. We talk about that quite a bit on this show in terms of obviously not just the mission and vision and how impact is driven today, but how what the plans are essentially kind of scale that impact. And I think that's what you're talking about now, which is how do you take that mission and vision to a larger group of people? How do we help more kids with this financial literacy mission? And I think you've already volunteered some examples in terms of leveraging technology, in the form of an application, you talked about working with the school district. I would be curious to pick your brain a little bit about that as well, too. Can you share with our listeners, you know, what made you think of leveraging technology in that way? How has that process gone so far? And what other are there any other details in terms of your plans to try to reach a wider audience and how has technology played in, you know, a role in that, so to speak? I think with all of us, um, you know, I've, I've, I've you've Zoom for the last 10 years, but a lot of people were just introduced to Zoom during the pandemic. So, like, you know, we're in the tech world. Um, everything you know, we do is based off of technology. So it's only right, I feel like, for new businesses, grassroots businesses, um, and larger corporations, I, I think it's really, really important that they include tech. And if you don't include tech, then it limits your ability. And, you know, we're in, we're in the United States. We have, I, I don't know how many schools in the United States, but I know in Pennsylvania, sorry, in Philadelphia, we have a little over 250 schools here in this in this in this city 
Um, so like how, how can, you know, Crystal and her small team be able to impact, you know, the, um, 28,000 11th and 12th graders that we have in, you know, in a six month stretch or a year stretch, you know, tech is what is what is going to help us have that power to do so. Um, I currently am attending Columbia University right now, learning coding so that I could be able to create an algorithm and um, be able to, I always like to have hands on. So I'm, I'm learning things to be able to enhance uh, the technology that we've used in the past, and and again, we're patenting um, that 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 little tweak that I want to add to things. So, um, technology gives the students an opportunity to be able to access the material twenty four seven. So, if they are attending school and working, you know, they can use their mobile phone, they can use their laptop, their tablet, they can access it twenty four seven. They can engage with uh, coaches. They can also engage with their peers. And again, um, if they're not in class, you know, they can jump on a Zoom with me. We can integrate Zoom and we can go over the material together. So um, technology is definitely um, it's a good thing. It's powerful. You know, and of course, working with students, our biggest thing is making sure that security is there and um, and, and we protect their information and everything. But as long as we have tech, we're able to not only work here in Pennsylvania, but we can cover the tri-state, we can cover the country. Um, and that's the goal, like in the next 10 to 15 years, just be able to become a program and a resource partner to the United States Department of Education. And um, but starting small right now in the Philadelphia School District um, and be able to implement a program that's useful and um, intelligent. I think you've done a great job of articulating technology essentially as a force multiplier, right? Oftentimes, mission-driven organizations have really big, challenging problems they're trying to solve, which are critically important, like financial literacy for the youth that you're describing. However, you also did a great job of articulating just how big that problem is in just the Philadelphia area, right? Or just this one city, right? In terms of Enabling a small team to be able to do that for such a large audience, that is, there's a ton of impact to be delivered there, but leveraging technology helps essentially level the playing field there, which will mm -hmm. provide you with the ability to take a program that you have tested that has delivered results on a smaller scale and now mm -hmm. multiply those to a significantly larger scale to help that many more people, which is exactly what in my opinion it's designed for right i'm a technologist myself and um kudos to you as well too for investing in getting even more detailed into the technology piece because it can be when leveraged appropriately so it can be super powerful uh, yeah. and there's nothing like learning more about a mission like yours one that's this important and using technology to be able to kind of scale its impact right which is the idea behind the stories we want to tell so that's amazing. Yep. Um, and definitely want to hear more in terms of your progress from here and how you grow. So we'd love to have you back to talk about how that process has gone as well, too. Anything you've learned along the way, sharing those insights with our audience as well, too, would be really cool. Um, I only have a couple questions for you before we uh, kind of wrap up this episode. And please feel free to share anything else that you'd like to as well, too. But one of the two questions that I have for you before we let you go is related mm -hmm. to resources. And for anyone else out there trying to fulfill a mission like you are, who would like to learn more about perhaps 
leveraging technology to kind of grow and scale or scaling impact at their organization. Are there anything anything along the way that you picked up or learned that you would share with them as well, too, that you think could also help them? I, I think my biggest challenge would be, you know, I, I feel like I found my purpose, my life purpose and my calling. Um, and I think believing in yourself and believing in um, whatever that gift is that you're given. I don't know if, you know, many people are still spiritual or not, but I feel like this is my, my, my God given gift. Um, just, you know, surround yourself with people who are smarter than you and um, who are willing to share information for free. <laughs> Cause there are a lot of people out here who will um, charge you for little less than nothing. So just be able to, uh, educate yourself first, surround yourself with smart people. Um, definitely use tech, use technology because we're in a tech world and without technology, you'll be really, really limited. Um, and then, you know, again, education, education. So, I mean, for me, my biggest challenge has been being in the finance world, being a licensed finance professional, a lot of companies wanted me to pretty much like get rid of my company, like delete it. And I kind of like had to stand my ground um, and just say no and stick with this without even, you know, having any uh, personal income coming in and, you know, me knowing the impact and just, you know, still not making all the connections that I would like to make to be able to make the changes that I feel and that I know are needed for the next generation to be successful. Um, you know, just believing and making sure that, you know, um, everything doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. So, I mean, I think that's what I can give for advice. Um, what was the question? And then I well, so <laughs> anything. That was that one. And that answer was perfect. So thank you. A ton of great advice there. And then the last question I have for you for today is who should reach out to you and how can they get in touch? Okay. So um, our page on Instagram is money talks edu. So that's money and then talks with an S edu. And our website is www.moneytalks.education. And my email is crystal, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L at moneytalks.education. And my cell, 443-993-9741. Um, I always get spam, so don't call me, text me. <laughs> and that's the quickest way to get, get to me. Well, thank you so much, Crystal. Thank you for being on the show, sharing thank your you. story. It's incredible mission. The results have been delivered already and your exciting plans to kind of grow and scale it from here. We're very excited to hear more and we'll have you back to tell that story too. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Scaling Impact. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you'd like to learn how to scale impact at your nonprofit organization by more than double in less than half the time, I encourage you to sign up for my free five-day email course at nextstep.io forward slash impact. That's nextstep.io, N-X-T-S-T-E-P.io forward slash impact.